from Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau in compliance with Memo EX 1063. The Queen City Improvement Bureau broadcasts its meetings weekly on 91.3 FM CJTR. This meeting is now in session. Hey there, mister. What? Hey there. Oh, sorry, I was lost in thought. Oh, were you? Yes. Much on my mind this week. You look very contemplative. I am. I'm very con. I'm contemplative too. Are you? Yeah, I have no idea which. Yeah. But we'll figure it out. Are you mediative as well? <laughs> I'm meditative and mischievous. Excellent. All these things at once. So shall we take attendance? We absolutely should. Okay, so attending the meeting tonight, uh, first we have um, Fonce Deal. No. Fonce. Fonce Deal. Font, yeah. D E E L? Yeah, no. Oh, really? We don't have him here. That's a shame. Mm, he'd be going here. I'm here. Yeah, he would. He was a, an interesting fellow. He actually he was an Englishman who pretended to be F. Scott Fitzgerald for about a decade. Really? Yeah. Huh. And he kind of almost got away with it, but it was 50 years after Fitzgerald's death, so people mm. eventually figured it out. Right. Yeah, this was in the 90s. Right. So he wrote all those, uh, those sequels. Yes. That, that terrible series of sequels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those, yeah, you know, Tender is the Night 2. Yeah. yeah. Hated that. <laughs> the even greater Gatsby. The best Gatsby. Pretty, pretty. Okay, that one was actually surprisingly yeah. good. Yeah, the mediocre Gatsby really got into, I think, the heart yeah. of what made Fitzgerald good, yeah. personally. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I don't think he's here, though, so... Darn. Um, well, hold on. You know, this is kind of embarrassing, but I think I, think I know why he's not here. It's because I mixed up the letters. In in, the in his name? Yeah, it's not Fonce Deal at all. Uh, it's uh, just hold on, it's Fonce. Paul Duchenne. That is me. Oh, okay. Well, you're here, and I'm here. I'm totally yeah. here. And uh, next uh, next attendee, Mando Garani. Mando Garani. Mando Garani. <laughs> He's one, one of my favorites. I know the one and only Mando Garani. Yeah. Who would have thought? I've been waiting until we could book him to come down yeah. here to a meeting. Yeah. I don't even know his backstory. He's just that great. Yeah. 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 You know what? Oh, no. Yeah, I know this is really awkward. Um, I hate to do this twice in one meeting, but I did mix up the letters in the name uh, Mando and Aiden Morgan. You know what, Aiden? Yeah? You're here. I am. Um, and I think you should just change your name to Mando Garani. Um, it's already in the works. Good. Yep. Because I think that's a fantastic name. I already found the paperwork. I, yeah. I already have like good feelings for Mando. <laughs> I got a good feeling about this Mando kid. Yeah. Gonna say, fair, fair enough. Okay, I'll be Mando Garani from from now, now on. on. Awesome. Yes, sounds great. Um, and so and it's even you and though me. it's you and me, we don't have quorum, but we do have somebody else down here with oh, us in the sub basement. We, we have an improvement vector candidate. Is we what do. We have. Hi. It <laughs> looks like a Hillary Aiken. That's me. Yeah, um, I remember you from the city's budget meeting. Mm, I was there. Yeah, yeah, for, for a lot of it. Mm. A big, long chunk of it. A little, a little too much of it, if you ask yeah. me. So, what, what, what does a Hillary A can do at a budget meeting? Well, I was at the budget meeting to talk about the lack of investment in affordable housing in this year's budget. Oh. To the council. Yeah. So, in my uh, day job, I'm senior director of housing at YWCA Regina, and so we see all the time that this is an issue. We operate a 22-bed emergency homelessness shelter for women and children. Mm -hmm. We have a 10-bed domestic violence shelter, and we have about 50 supportive living 
spots too in a longer term residence. So we're dealing with women all the time who are looking for housing, who are losing housing and who are struggling to maintain housing. Right. Um, is that that's typical of YWCAs across the country and yeah, North America that, that you guys are like aren't just, you know, recreation programs and stuff. You you actually are, you know, there in the community providing places yeah. for people to live. Yeah, totally. And I think it has shifted over the hundred years or so that we've been operating. In Regina I know that we've grown beyond you know, what was constructed as a boarding room house and sort of a fitness facility, but now we're a lot bigger community entity and uh, responding to issues that are important to women. Mm -hmm. um, you guys run the Mayans Place. Mm -hmm. What is that and why does it have that name? Uh, it's actually a, a good story of how that name came to be. The idea was it started in 2009, sort of when things were getting tight in the housing world, and it was in the middle of the winter it opened up as a pilot project because there isn't really an emergency homeless shelter for women that's 24-hour and that's low barrier and kind of brings a feminist trauma-informed lens to it. There's a few others, but most make women leave during the day, and if you have kids, especially, that doesn't really work, or if you have to haul around your things, it doesn't really work. So we opened in 2009 uh, to try to stem, staunch the flow of, of homeless, sort of be a band-aid for the worst part of the problem. After a few months, it was pretty apparent that this the housing and homelessness crisis wasn't going anywhere, so we became permanent in our downtown location in the next year. So we've been open since then. The name, My Aunt's Place, was picked so that it was meant to... so that women wouldn't feel stigma about staying at a homelessness shelter. They could just say, oh, I'm staying at my aunt's place. <laughs> or like, I'm staying at my friend's. I'm just staying at my aunt's place. Right, and I would think also that if they're escaping some violence at the home, that would it would they wouldn't be giving up where they're actually staying by saying that as a good alibi. Yes, that's right. And yeah. it is, it's a temporary stay. Right. It's meant to be short term. Some, and we're always flexible what that means for people, but, uh, yeah, it can just mean for somebody getting out for a little while and then going back. I think it also reflected, especially in first nations culture. A lot of our clients are rep identify as Aboriginal and in first nations culture, culture, there's a, less strict definition of an auntie, right? Someone right. who's important right. in your life. So if this is, this can be, it maybe is your aunt's place to some women, that it's just a safe place to be. Yeah. Um, so you were coming out to the budget meeting to talk about the lack of support for affordable housing in the mm -hmm. city. Uh, it's something that we've heard about a lot. Um, but one of the counter arguments is that, you know, say, you know, five or six years ago, we had like a near zero vacancy rate, but now we've got, we're, we're, we've shot way past 3% vacancy rate. Um, mm -hmm. There is no housing crisis. What are you guys seeing? Yeah, well, we turned away 768 women last year from my aunt's place because we were full and that many more women were still looking for a safe place to stay. So I think... And along with that, 500 kids. So I think those numbers speak volumes that it's still a bit of an issue. And the part that doesn't get talked about in that vacancy rate number is what the average rental costs are, which right. actually haven't caught up to the market yet. I don't know if they will, but there's still a lot of landlords who are ca either caught into big mortgages or who are still just charging that rate because that's what they can. Yeah. So there's a huge gap in affordability right now, and, and things are getting a little bit tighter for uh, women living on low incomes or receiving social assistance that the ends just aren't being met. Yeah. 
Well, and what about the specific situation of women and children who find themselves without stable housing or, or homeless? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what is that experience like? Like, what, what do they face? Well, in in some ways, similar to men, but what we talk about a lot at the YWCA is that when us, the collective us, Canada, thinks about homelessness, we picture uh, an older white dude, uh, you know, panhandling on the street, that kind of stereotypical picture of homelessness that we think about, and we forget about women and kids that are facing this reality in just as great numbers. Women's homelessness does look a little bit different in its relationship to violence, that 60% of women in shelters are there because of violence. It also means that some women, the interrelationship with violence and homelessness means that some women will choose to stay in an unsafe or unaffordable situation to keep a roof over their heads. Mm -hmm. They might trade sex for shelter or uh, make other choices so that they can stay housed, do couch surfing, things like that. Uh, And women are more more likely to have kids with them. 80% of single parent families are headed by women. So if you have kids and your choice is, you know, sleep under a tree tonight or sleep with a friend you don't really know or sleep with a violent partner or just stay in a unaffordable place that has mold in it, you know, what are you what choices are you going to make? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what does this do with it? Like how do the kids cope with this? Um do these kids even, like, are they going to school? Like, during the daytime, it must be really difficult to sort of sort your life out while you're also, like, carrying a kid around from place to place. Yeah. Well, I remember when I started this job in the interview, the CEO asked me what keeps you going, and it's it's still what keeps me going now, that women and kids are both incredibly resilient. So you can have a ton of stuff going on in your life, but kids especially, you know, they... Are, it's amazing kids' ability to keep doing what they're doing, resisting in their own ways and sort of finding home in their own ways and, and resisting violence and seeking safety in creative ways. But uh, people survive and they manage. It's certainly not awesome and it doesn't mm. have great long-term impacts. There's tons of research and data that talks about how kids that experience homelessness or frequent moves as kids have developmental delays. They're more likely to have negative health and education indicators later in life. And it also just creates a different uh, norm, I think. So we talk about people who live a little a little closer to the edge of the cliff. If, I, if some kind of crisis happens in my life, I have a lot of safety nets before I'm going to go over the edge of the cliff. For women who are experiencing homelessness or precarious housing something happens like they have a medical problem or somebody dies who's close to them and they're off the cliff so then it's suddenly losing your housing and then it you know maybe you're at risk of losing your kids maybe now you're at risk of losing your job so you know i don't know that answers the question i think the resiliency is something to hold on to but there's no denying that precarious housing and homelessness has long-term impacts on this generation but also the next yeah and do you guys um, have uh, childcare available for the kids during the daytime? Yeah, at my aunt's place, we have. It's kind of funny. It, there's always a dynamic where somebody becomes kind of like a cookum or the the house mom or the grandma, mm-hmm. and and women develop their own relationships and bonds. Women develop their own conflicts too. But there's there's certainly shared caregiving, and then we do provide some childminding too. Yeah. Um, 
One of the things I think people think about when they think about it, the, these shelters and these um, places that people who are almost wind up at uh, is that they're kind of like miserable and there's a lot of like yeah. substance abuse and they're just like awful places that you wouldn't want to be to. Um, just based on a little bit of what you've said, it sounds like some of these places can be much more sort of like nurturing and homelike, though. Like, can, can you describe what, yeah. say, my mm -hmm. man's place is like? That's what we strive for, certainly, because I, I feel like that's the least we can do if women, by definition, are having a crisis in their life by the time they come there. So the least we can do is provide safety and security and, you know, respect and dignity and, and not be judging them. So we strive to make it a very simple intake process, not to ask too many questions, to show them around and to welcome them into our, into the shared home and un make women aware of what communal living looks like at my aunt's place but also to say we're here to support you in a way that makes sense for you we're not here to tell you what's going to make sense what the answers all are we also try to make different spaces and different programming opportunities available so we have quiet areas and then we have more of a common uh, eating area and, and recreation area but regular groups uh, highly trained staff who work with women presenting complex issues so our hope is certainly that it always feels like a home i don't think anyone wants to be there long term but we have found an interesting trend this year that women who have stayed at my aunt's place in the past are coming just dropping in for a coffee to say hey how's it going uh i'm doing better That's on great. this way yeah, yeah it's, it is really great and we're outgrowing the space actually we have this dream that that it would be a drop-in center and we would have proactive measures to respond to women instead of the emergency housing band-aid solutions. Yeah. Oh. Oh, just to uh, mention to our audience, this is uh, the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. And we're here talking today with, um, sorry, I wrote down your name, um, but I think I mixed up the letters a bit. I have Think Aerially. Uh, oh. That's close. Talkie Hairline. Mm, closer. Halal Yeti Rink. No. Mm. Thin Alkali Rye. Mm, I think I'm related to that one. Hillary Aitken? That's me, yeah. Oh, all right, okay, good. From the YWCA? That's well, me. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, you were at the, uh, the, the budget meeting and uh, talking about the lack of support or the, the need for support for affordable housing. You've talked about, uh, you know, you've been turning away people from your emergency shelter space. Um, what is it that you guys are seeking? Like, what is it, what is it you need? Uh, a lot of things. <laughs> the the <laughs> specific ask from city council was to be a leader in establishing a community plan to end homelessness. And I'm not interested, I don't think anyone is interested in a plan just for the sake of a plan, but a plan with resources and targets and buy-in from all levels of government. And we're focusing on the city council and city municipal level of government because what we've seen in other jurisdictions is that is what pushes the needle on ending homelessness that when the city steps up when council and mayor becomes advocates of this issue they have been able to make real strides in addressing mm -hmm. homelessness but i think you've you heard that night and we heard last week in our interview with mayor uh, fougere mm -hmm. that it is not council's feeling that that is the city's responsibility yeah. that that is homelessness and housing are provincial and federal responsibilities. Just, just why would the city care about housing and homelessness? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got stadiums to build. 
I could house everybody in the stadium, but, yeah. except during yeah. games. <laughs> yeah. It would hold a lot of people. Uh, well, my response to the mayor or, and to council during the budget was that you are already responding to housing and homelessness. The chief of police said 75% of the calls they get are not criminal in nature. Police are, know this, frontline cops know this, and the chief of police knows it as well, that they are the ones that get called when someone is sleeping outside. They get called maybe for the symptoms of homelessness too, if someone is stealing to get by or there is domestic violence. These things that could be uh, made a little, the burden could be eased a little bit more with some good housing. So there, the city is responding to it already. They're just doing it in the most inefficient and expensive way possible through the police force uh, housing you know the police force is expensive it was an 80 million dollar budget biggest this year. item biggest yeah item in oh, the that's right like a quarter of the of the city's budget so yeah. let's talk about doing things differently and diverting some of those resources or matching those resources i don't know that the police needs to be cut maybe it does but i'm not an expert on that but Let's at least free up their time so that they are responding to their things that are their mandate and not just getting people off the street and putting them in the drunk tank overnight and then shipping them out again. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a really good point. Uh, and you, you tweeted at me. I was, I was at the meeting and I was live tweeting during it. And one of the things the council did is they put uh, $100,000, for instance, towards mm -hmm. uh, economic development in Regina to do a uh, marketing strategy for the city. Mm -hmm. uh, and they gave $195,000 for a parking lot in Wisconsin Park. Mm -hmm. um, you, you pointed out how much, you know, I think it was like $300,000 could do. Yeah. For housing in the city? Like, do you remember what that yeah. number was? Well, I was using the pretty basic math that for five grand a year, you can have uh, affordable housing, supportive uh, transitional housing costs between thirteen and $18,000 a year. So For one person. For one person, Ooh, yeah. Right. So for 300 grand, I forget the math now, you can house like 10... Uh, I can't you can house that. a lot of people you for can. 300 grand and provide some pretty basic support. Right. And that just proved to me it's not about their inability to find revenue. It's not about the city being broke. They had a surplus also. It's that they fundamentally do not want to address housing. So that was yeah. discouraging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do we... Do you, do you, are there other places where the province is the one that steps up because the, the uh, we, we've also heard that in Alberta there's a lot of money mm -hmm. coming from the province. Yeah. Uh, here we've got next to nothing coming yeah. for housing. Uh, yeah, I think by us talking to the city, we're not saying that the province or the feds are going to be not also. involved in this. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. there's certainly a role for both levels of government to play. But provincially, we need to change the conversation. It's not about the province not having money. It's not about this suddenly desperate time that we need to sell off everything to balance the books. If you put a dollar into housing, you will save $11 down the road. So it makes complete financial sense. If Even if the argument about moral sense doesn't, make, doesn't resonate with you, it makes financial sense to invest in housing. And what we're saying to the city is that you be the leader, you leverage the province to get to the table because they're not listening to us anymore. So let's get more people into the into the room 
let's leverage those provincial and federal counterparts so that all of our resources are going in the same direction. We're saying, okay, this is what we're going to do in five years and ten years, and then keep each other accountable to that. Right. So the, the province isn't listening to you guys. Have you tried to reach out to them? And We, yeah, we have been focused more recently on the city, but the, I haven't had a very receptive audience with provincial MLAs or or stakeholders. And, I, you know, maybe there's hope. I'll hold on to hope. But I, it's a, the strategy moving forward is certainly <clears throat> to focus on the city, but to have attention to the province and the feds. What I'm also feeling, too, is that uh, we need to mobilize the public. When Andrew Stevens, one of the councillors who actually believes in mm-hmm. in investing in housing, said he hears about parking and snow removal ten times more than this. So we mm-hmm. need to mobilize the public so that that is an important issue to people, even if it's not affecting them directly. But they're saying, yes, I want to live in a community where everyone has a roof over their heads. Um. And how do you do that? Oh, if I knew that, then maybe this I wouldn't have to be <laughs> here tonight. But, yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I do think the financial piece of it will go a little bit further. I think humanizing the story of homelessness and, and talking about what the actual numbers are, that, yes, there's a few hundred people who are absolutely homeless living in shelters or on the street, mm-hmm. but there are two to three times that living precariously and couch surfing and living in unsafe situations. I think there's a story to be told about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that if we as a community are going to do our part as settlers, that the homeless population in Regina is 75% Indigenous. So let's start talking about our responsibilities right. as settlers and what we can do to uphold those calls to action. Yeah. Um, you all, like uh, the, the budget surplus was $9.8 million, and they put $400,000 of that towards dropping the mill rate mm-hmm. um i know we've kind of like i know we're kind of like beating a dead horse here but there is money that can mm-hmm. that can go to this priority it seems yeah. um you are involved with the uh, Twenty Thousand homes campaign mm-hmm. um what is that and how does that impact this yeah, it's another hopeful piece. 20,000 Homes is a national movement of communities that are working together to end to house 20,000 of the most vulnerable Canadians by July of next year, 2018. Mm. So Regina signed on uh, to it to for a few reasons. First of all, just to bring the issue of ho- homelessness and housing to the forefront and have a vehicle to do that. But it's about many many different organizations working together. So there's about a dozen of us now, 15 or so. It's about getting good data so that we know who is homeless in our city and what their names are and what services they need and what's going on for them. Not just a tally, but what are the actual supports we need to end homelessness here. Uh, it's about collaboration, all of us working together, and it's about taking action. So it's really about meeting that target, getting us there in the next 18 months or so. Wow, that's a really tight timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's coming fast. We signed on almost a year ago now, but it's right. moving. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, I was going to say, what is Coldest Night? Oh, yeah. The Coldest Night of the Year is yeah. theoretically tomorrow. The It's an event Ooh. organized by YWCA with the same goal of drawing attention to homelessness in our city, in particular mm-hmm. family homelessness. So it's a 2, 5, or 10-kilometer kil- walk, and it's a fundraiser for the YWCA's homelessness programs. It's a fun, family-friendly event. Hmm. 4 p.m. at uh, St. Paul's Cathedral tomorrow. Oh, sorry, Saturday. 
Um, let's say somebody's listening to this. I don't know that anyone is. <laughs> you you never it's, know. It's, it yeah, happens. I'm an optimist. I bet my mom is. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> she'll, be, she'll be like, why is that guy mangling your name? <laughs> yeah. um, hello, Mrs. Aiken. Uh, I guess what I'm wondering is, if somebody's listening to this and they're... they're after listening to us hammer on about, yammer on about ha- housing for so many months now, uh, if they're they're eager to get involved and to help out, what can they do? What how, can you can you hook them up with some good volunteer opportunities? Yeah, well, an easy one I think is to come to Coldest Night this weekend, uh, raise a little bit of, bit of money for the YWCA, and spread a little bit of the message about homelessness. I think a, an important thing for us to do that we often underestimate is our role as citizens. Ask and demand that your city councillor, your MLA, and your MP do something about homelessness. And do more than just, I think it's a great start to let them know, yes, I care about this, and this is what I'll be thinking of when I vote. But also ask them what they're going to do about it, when they're going to bring it up with council or in the legislature, in the House of Commons, and what they are going to say about it. And then ask them to send you transcripts of that when they do. Demand some action, because that's... We have great power as citizens that we don't utilize all the time. Yeah. And I think we're actually seeing down in the States as much of a mess as it is down there that this kind of like concerted, organized uh, protest and, uh, you know, contacting your representatives Mm -hmm. actually has an impact. It actually like can change things if it's done. Yeah. I think there's really exciting things happening when people get, you know, fed up enough and there's been other examples in other cities too where there's there is mobilization around housing and it's easy to say that protests don't work but there's lots of other things that haven't worked so let's try (laughs) some mobilization (laughs) let's let's show people visibly that it's important yeah where can people find you online uh ywca regina has a facebook page and also a website ywcaregina.com right Okay. Um, well, thanks a lot for coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, how did she do on our test? Oh, um, I wasn't filling out the rubric. Uh, I, was, I was drawing hairstyles for Mondo Guarani. Nice. Like hairstyles oh, that I could have. Awesome. Oh, yeah. And there's and like outfits. Like there's a lot of leather involved. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, and a cape? And a cape. One of those half capes? <laughs> One of them, they're half capes. Awesome. And uh, yeah. But I think I think she actually does, does indeed qualify as an improvement vector. So we're presenting you with a certificate of improvement. Oh, I'm so humbled. So, suitable for framing. We tried that to get the spelling of your name right. I'm not mm, sure if yep. we did. Close. So close enough. Yep. Okay, good. Yeah. He did it phonetically. <laughs> yeah, we were always, we thought maybe Aiken was a nickname, so, you know, hedged our bets. Yeah, my favorite part is the number eight. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I'll frame this for my office. It'll give me some street cred. Yes, indeed it will. You're, you're now in a select crowd of improvement vectors oh, in the Queen wow. City. All right. Uh, we are now uh, going to move forward with our agenda to the uh, uh, innovative revenue tool. Whoa. Is that the bit where we suggest tools that generate revenue and are also innovative? It says that right here. Yeah, that's exactly oh, okay. what this is. I, I could have just read my notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is our innovative revenue tool today? Well, if you recall last week, we talked about uh, selling off titles. Yeah. Uh, specifically, sort of Star Wars titles to Moth, you know, Grand Moth, Moth, Grand Moth, and director. why stop there? Yes, uh, Lord Darth Vader. That's mm-hmm. an actual title. Yep. The things you find out from reading Wikipedia, uh, which is literally a site. I'm not making a joke. Wikipedia really does exist. Uh, so, we thought we'd combine our 
certificate-making and title-granting privileges with... Which uh, we have from the Queen, direct from the direct, Queen. Direct from the Queen to us. She sent us a note. It was very, it was very, very heartwarming. Nice. Yeah. yeah, with a little corgi sticker. A little cor- <laughs> and, and, you know, and sealed in blood, you yep. know, as, as Queen's messages often are. Yeah. Uh, to, we can use our, our, our titles, our, our charter... Mm-hmm. To, to grant these titles with the uh, CJTR Look and Listen Lottery. This w- combining two revenue tools into yeah. one revenue tool? Yeah. This is so innovative. I know. It's. I think it's an innovative revenue tool. Innovative. Yep. 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 So uh, for people who don't know, if they haven't been paying attention this evening uh, to CJTR, the Look and Listen Lottery is back. Again? Yeah. And it's a choose your own prize deal. There's an early bird prize even this time. Which is a five hundred dollar travel voucher, voucher courtesy of Carlson Vacanley Record Travel. So the minute I see their name in a sentence, I start pronouncing every other word in the sentence completely wrong, <laughs> because um, Carlson Vacanley Record is hard to pronounce uh, based on how it's spelled. Uh, there's also two tickets to Lisa LeBlanc at the Artesian, courtesy of the Regina Folk Festival. Oh, nice. The grand prize, though, that everybody should be getting in on is the Choose Your Own Vacation. Uh, you can go to either Halifax, which is a great city. It is. Victoria, a great city. Mm-hmm. San Francisco, I've heard good things. <laughs> or Portland. Also good things. Yeah. Go- there's a real Port- coastal theme. That's what I'm getting. There is. Actually, it's called Share the Coast this year. Whoa. Yeah. And uh, there's also a second prize, which is a $1,000 travel voucher from Carlson Vagonly Rickard. And, um, yeah, a Regina Folk Festival 2017 experience is the third prize. These tickets are a mere $20. Well, in the meeting, they said third prize is you're fired. No, that's if you uh, come in third place in selling tickets. Ah, okay. Yeah, then we're fired. So please help us with that. We don't want to be fired because we can't sell tickets. Uh, There's only 1,500 available, so your odds of winning something in this this contest are much better than things like, say, bingo or the lottery. Right. So 20 bucks will give you a pretty good shot at a decent prize. And if you get your tickets... From us. The Queen City Improvement Bureau. That's us. You will also be able to pick a title that we will grant you with our title-granting powers, and you will get a certificate suitable for framing. Uh, director, regional manager, or moth. Two yeah. tickets gives you makes you a grand moth. Uh, if you buy an entire book of tickets, you can be a Lord Darth Vader. Yeah. Or, you know, you could pick, if you're so inclined, you could pick a uh, regional sales director. Mm, but nice. next year would mean you'd have to sell tickets. Yes. <laughs> Which would be great, because, uh, you know, we could use the help. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. So that's the that's our that's our innovative revenue tool. So very innovative. Yeah. So buy a ticket, work. get a title. Easy peasy. And if that doesn't work, we have some other innovative revenue tools for you right now. Hi, I'm Brandon Wright from Bike Regina. And I'm Sarah Maria DeBees from Bike Regina. And you're listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on ninety-one point three CJTR, Regina's community radio. All right. We are back from Innovative Revenue Tools, and um, uh, to Sarah Maria Dobies, congratulations. <laughs> Rome toddy. <laughs> That's great. All right. Uh, so uh, next up on the agenda, Aiden, do you remember what? way back, or sorry, should I say Mondo? Yes. Uh, do you remember way back when we had uh, Councillor Young on, Councillor uh- Barbara Young? Yes, she was uh, very young. 
She was. Yes. And yes. And uh she's older now though. She's, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. We should have her on again. But she suggested one of the things that she suggested, she came to us with a with an idea. What? Yeah, some Sweet. innovation and improvement as it were. And it was that uh we should start doing um previews of council meetings before they happen. So wow. that people hear about them and go, hey, there's some stuff in that mix there that I should probably show up for. Right, a little, little bit of excitement. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so anyways, um, I'm pretty lazy, so I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> Neither was I, because I didn't even know about it. Yeah. So, uh, but fortunately, some elementary school kids have taken it upon themselves. They have like a little improv troupe. They're called Locker Door Improv. Very nice. Yeah. And uh, so what they're going to be doing is, well, what they have done is because we don't know exactly what is on the council agenda before the Friday, before the council meeting, it's a little difficult mm -hmm. to do a preview of a council meeting. True. So they've had to, like, you know, do some augury and some... Scrying? Uh, some, some scrying. <laughs> and they've been able to put together a pretty good guess it was going to be up on the council meeting. And what they've done is they've done a dramatic pre-enactment of wow. the city council meeting. I am on tenterhooks. Yep. Because everybody loves elementary school kids doing drama. Yeah, and telling the future. And telling the future. Yeah, it's even better. Yeah, yeah. A little creepy, but also awesome. A <laughs> little, little bit, uh, you know, what's that John Wyndham book? Uh, Midditch Cuckoo. It's a little bit Midditch Cuckoo. A little Midditch Cuckoo. I hate that book. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, yeah, so I thought I would play that for you now so that everybody can get a sense of what's coming up. The council meeting is this Monday, and... Uh, so, you know, if people are, like, interested, this will be a good way for them to get a sense of what the council meeting is going to be like. And, you know, on the, even on rebroadcast day, if you're listening to this on Monday morning at 9 a.m., still time to get a seat. Wow. Yeah. But, all right, I'm going to play that pre-enactment right now. Next week on Queen City City Council. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? This doesn't make any sense. It's an all-new Do Not Miss event. The engineering fees on drainage area 8? If we don't increase them, this entire triangular neighborhood could flood. While a waste plan gets a report. That's a 40% landfill diversion target. They're never going to make it. They should make it! While a road renewal program is updated. This is a long-term strategy. It's consistent with good asset management practices. You're out of order! New proposals emerge. Arise in support of this discretionary use application for a house form commercial restaurant. What is this? An animal hospital, medical clinic, dental, printing, vocational, convenience store, licensed restaurant? It's too much. It won't hold together. And we will take this portion of Tower Road from East Victoria Avenue all the way to Arcola. And we will rename it. So help me God. And a motion is put to the test. But this recommends declaring that we all have a right to a healthy environment. Are you sure about this? I've never been more sure about anything in my life. Queen City City Council, Monday at 5.30 in Henry Baker Hall. That is our Queen City City Council pre-enactment. Reserve my seat now. Yeah. Because, man, that's going to be filled with excitement. Yeah. So that's, a, that's you know, that's a, I hope will be an accurate representation of what it's going to be like on Monday night. It, 
I, they, that kind of thrills they, if they and can those chills. The future. Yeah. Uh, including including uh, a, a young boy saying, you're out of order, repeatedly. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll show up for that. Yeah. Uh, in case you couldn't follow what was going on there, Monday's council meeting should involve the uh, Blue Dot Movement motion uh, to uh, declare that everybody has a right to a clean environment. That should be a council. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, discretionary uh, use applications. Um, the waste plan is getting looked at, and the uh, residential road renewal program is going to be looked at. So that's what they were talking about. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. All right. Uh, so next up on the agenda is the Recreation Master Plan consultation. And the Recreation Master Plan is this thing. It's a master plan about recreation in the city of Regina. Hmm. And uh, I actually escaped from the sub-basement today to make it out to the city's central branch library over lunch where they were having a drop-in consultation where you could meet with the uh, the consultants who are putting together a report about a recreation master plan. And when it, all of this consultation is done and the report is written, they'll be bringing it to council. And, uh, yeah, we'll have a recreation plan for the next 20 years. Wow. Yeah. So I thought I would play that interview that I did because I interviewed them there. And I'll play it now. You play it. All right. Play it now. Oh, wait. I was about to play. Okay, there we go. Robert Parks. I'm a partner in the consulting firm RC Strategies Plus Perk. And you guys are working on the uh, recreation master plan for the city of Regina? We are, yes. What is a recreation master plan and, and why do we need one? Right. Um, so really, uh, at its essence, it provides a framework on how the city is going to provide recreation services. We know that the city isn't the only uh, entity out there that's providing recreation services to residents, right? We all know that there's all kinds of not-for-profit groups, or even though there's people in the private industry. And what the, the idea what this plan is, is to provide uh, some guidelines and a framework around how the city is going to do it. So, you know, do we have to invest a certain amount of dollars to maintain all that infrastructure that we have currently? Is there a need for us to look at uh, other infrastructure, new infrastructure? All of those questions get answered along with how does the city actually liaise and interact with all of the other partners that are providing it. So it's important to do it. Um, good planning is important, right, so that you can react and adjust to situations as they change. Plus, it helps in terms of the budgeting processes, and it helps when interacting with partners to say, we have a plan, we have a vision for how we want to achieve these services. Right. Okay, so how far along in the process are you guys? Uh, I would say we're a fair ways into the first component. There's two pieces to doing the master plan. The first one is to gather all of the research. Uh, make some sense of it and then the second part is to actually develop the recommendations in the plan we're getting to the end of the research part of it this isn't the first uh, public consultation or consultation you've done with stakeholders I'm assuming no we've actually done uh, I would say a fairly extensive uh, engagement with stakeholders from uh, surveying residents in the community or key stakeholders so we did a telephone survey that we fielded uh, over uh, December and then into January, and that gave us 600 interviews, so we just randomly dialed up folks in the community. We've got an online survey that's still underway now. We're hoping people will go onto the city's website and do it. That's been uh, been active for uh, a number
number of months here as well. And then, of course, we've had a whole series of uh, interviews and meetings with uh, people in the community, groups in the community, uh, community partners, etc. So a fairly uh, extensive consultation process. And, and what have you discovered so far through your consultation and discussions? Um, well, that's part of the uh, the joy of us actually getting to go through all of this. And so I think it would be premature for me to, to really share some of that. But what I would say is uh, people are engaged in the community and recreation is important to them. And I mean, we believe that as consultants in this area, but what we have found through all of these conversations is people are interested in, in, in it. They think that it's important to provide that in the community. The other thing I think that stood out for me here, because we work on these in many other communities, is there really is a sense from the folks that I've chatted with uh, that they're interested in looking out for others in the community. And I find that really an impressive part of Regina um, and a little bit different than what we've seen in some other communities. Right. Um, you've already got some, like, trends that are starting to uh, pop up on these boards here. Could you give me, like, a lowdown on, you know, maybe two or three of the ones that you find the most significant? Uh, probably one uh, I might speak to is just around infrastructure, and it just talks about how now, as we start to develop these things, we're not doing standalone pieces anymore. We're combining them uh, in various configurations, and they become hubs in the community. So not only are you going to that particular facility to you know maybe do some swimming or, or skate, but it's also a meeting place, and it's a place that people want to go to. It becomes its own destination, and that helps create and, I think, strengthen the fabric of the community. I think that's important. Uh, so that's significant. The other one that I might highlight now is just the, uh, the the changing nature of partnerships in terms of the delivery of recreation. You know, I, I don't think it's ever been the case where any one entity could always do it, but for sure that's the case now. Things are so expensive. There's so many very interests that it's important that, in this instance, the city look to and work with all of the other partners to, have, to help deliver it. And, you know, you see that even in terms of uh, the the construction of infrastructure, We've seen in other communities that we've had the city partnering with the library, partnering with school divisions to develop different facilities. Right. Um, one of the things that we've heard in the past is this uh, this trend towards building uh, larger multi-use facilities that are sort of community nodes. Um, they're, they kind of create a tension with the... Uh, the official community plan's goal of building a walkable community where there's lots of smaller facilities all within like walking distance from where people live. How do you guys navigate that? Well, that is uh, that is a dynamic, and there is a bit of tension there for sure. You know, part of it is is looking at the kinds of facilities or the amenities that would be in a facility, so the different program areas in there. You know, not every community, not every neighborhood can you know have a pool for example right that those become things that are provided maybe on a on a more of a quadrant basis or a citywide basis or depending on the amenity it might even be regional so you can't have that everywhere so it makes sense to do some some grouping of things i mentioned the cost factor in terms of partnerships well even just whether it's city provided by having all these amenities in one facility it really leverages the dollars so there is um, some real pragmatic reasons to to develop those things but for sure, in terms of walkable, we want to make sure that there's some opportunities for people to do that. Uh, and I think we can do that by, by having a bit of a balance on, you know, what people can walk to and what they can't. The other part of it, too, is, you know, having these larger amenities, it's important to be able to provide some opportunity where non-motorized traffic can actually get to them. So that's even looking at, 
um, you know, uh, trail systems and, you know, are there places where I can lock up my bike and my skateboard and all the rest of those. So it is a, there is a dynamic tension there for sure, but there's reasons for having large hubs as well as neighborhood facilities. Do you guys do a lot of this sort of like recreation planning? Uh, yeah, we do a lot of it. So uh, firm has done probably, we talked about this the other day, actually probably in excess of 1,500 plants. Most of our work is Western Canada, so currently we're doing some work out on Vancouver Island and as far east, I guess, as Winnipeg. So many years of experience, and, and that's why uh, a city would hire a, a group like ours to do it. Have an understanding, and we've seen how it works in many other communities. We have a process, and then what we do is we marry that with all the stakeholders, residents, and the community along with the the city staff, and together we're able to come up with a solution that's unique to the city. Okay. Considering your experience in this field and across, like, multiple jurisdictions, one of the things that we heard from one of the delegations at the budget meeting, uh, I guess it was last week, Mm -hmm. was that nobody moves to a city because they have nice pools or great walking trails. How do you respond to that? How do you respond to this notion that perhaps our recreation facilities aren't part of what makes us a uh, an attractive town? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, so I didn't hear that that comment. And what we would say and what we have typically said in other communities is actually not that. It's that people move to a community often. I mean, there's lots of reasons uh, for the quality of life that it offers. And we think recreation, the amenities, programs, all of the groups that are offering these programs are one of the significant drivers of having people move to a community. And so we would say that people don't move to a community because of great roads, although we all need them, that they would move to a community for the opportunities that it presents for their and their families' lifestyles. And so uh, I would say that recreation uh, is a core service uh, of a community and that this is a, a significant project for the city to undertake. Cool. Okay, and what's the most the thing that gets you the most excited about this project? Uh, frankly, it's interacting with members of the community. So yeah, I, right. I, I'm not because the process itself, you know, is transferable from community to community. You know, an arena is an arena, and you know we can look at how they provide it. But uh, you know, how do you get to know a community and what lights me up for sure? It's uh, finding out about it through the people in the community. Honestly, that keeps me going. I mean, look at me. I got gray hair and I'm keeping doing this, right? So. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. right, That's the end of our interview with uh, Robert Parks from RC Strategies and Perk. And that's the consultant that hired, that the city hired, sorry, to handle the consultation and assemble the report about the recreation master plan. That was that was an informative and entertaining interview. Oh, huh? thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Although I was I was kind of hoping he would like actually sort of just lose it and and like just start throwing stuff around. Yeah. When when you challenged him on you know the importance of parks and exactly. rec. Yeah. Because you, you basically said, "Isn't this just a pile of nonsense?" Yeah. And he he responded very evenly. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, and he wasn't punching me. Uh, <laughs> You know, off mic, I guess you'd call it. <laughs> Sir, I'm trying to ask you a question. You keep hitting me on the side of the head. Um, no, actually, he was he was a great guy. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the thing is that everybody can get involved in this uh, recreation master plan uh, consultation. Mm-hmm. They totally can. How so? Even if they didn't make it to the library today to chat with, with Robert Parks, they can go to the city's website. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a, you can go to the website for just about anything. It's true. Yeah, uh, yeah you go to city. The city's website is uh, www.regina.ca. It's going to take you a little bit to get there, though, to get to the uh, recreation master plan stuff. Do you have a pen? I do. And this is also for everybody who's listening out in Radio Land. Hold get on. your pen. Wait. I'm going to make scratchy pen sounds. Okay, you want to go to regina.ca slash residence slash recreation slash recreation hyphen master hyphen plan. And then you hit enter, and that'll take you to the recreation master plan page. Sweet. The other trick you can do is you can go to the left-hand side of the city's website and click on where it says Recreation, and that'll take you to a page, and there will be a link there that says Recreation Master Plan. You click hmm. on that. It'll get you to this page. When you get to this page, that won't even get you to the survey. You have wow. to read through a big wall of text, and in the middle of it, there's like a little thing that says go to the survey here. You know, I, I often tout that, uh, or tout, I should say, I don't tout, I tout, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, ben the benefits of that website. But yep. there's one thing I found it's no good for, lunch. It's terrible for lunch. Yeah. I tried to I tried to get some lunch there yeah. at the website. It's just it's just information. There's yep. no food whatsoever. Yeah. Well, you know that skip the dishes dishes boat sailed. We could have like thrown in some money. We could have like incorporated them into the city. Mm -hmm. And then there'd be a link on the side that says skip the dishes. Hey. Right under yeah. recreation. Q R recreation S. Skip the dishes. You click that button. And you've got food coming to your door. Nice. And you can, like, eat a nice sandwich while you're filling out the Recreation Master Plan survey. I also tried chewing the monitor a bit, but that didn't really I don't help. recommend that. No. no. Not very filling. Not at all. Unbelievably toxic. Yeah. Yep. Also cuts your lip. Yeah. yeah. That's why you're bleeding. That's why, yeah, that's why I've been well, bleeding I, for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Hillary was always averting her eyes. I know. That was, that was, yeah. uh, that was a bit of a shame. Um... Yeah, so the uh yeah, so go there. Get involved. Get involved with the recreation master plan consultation and then, you know, call the YWCA and go get involved with uh Coldest Night of the Year in housing. Mm -hmm. Um one thing from that interview that I really wish I had done and I didn't is asked him, you know, if he knew when he was born that he was destined to be a recreation planner because his last name is Parks. That's a good question. Mhm. Mm yeah. I didn't think of it. Like, I knew when I was born, because my last name was Morgan, that I would um, be uh, an improvement planner oh. in a basement. Could have been worse. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how. Are there any of... Well, I guess you could have turned out to be the Morgan. Ooh. That would have been... That would have been... A, probably pays better than <laughs> improvement manager. <laughs> I think it would have, actually. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm actually, according to the certificates, an improvement officer. Oh, are yeah. you? Yeah, and I'm a clerk. You're clerk. My clerk God. level three. Wow. Yeah. No, I'm just I'm just a lowly officer. Oh, I thought law officer was higher. We're gonna have to dig out that org, Wait a org chart. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. We should uh, before we wrap this meeting up, we should revisit our innovative revenue tool for this week because it's an incredibly important one. That's true. That everybody who's listening, uh, we're we're begging them to be involved in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the uh, the Look and Listen Lottery 2017. You're supporting CJTR. Would you like the notes? Oh yeah, give me them notes. Give me them. Give me them notes. Uh, your grand pro well, okay. Sponsored by um, Carlson Vogel Record Travel. Hang on, I'm going to put on and, some music. Uh, oh wow! Do I, I get some 
Will it be soft, like tasteful Baroque, or well, I'll let you choose. I'll pick. That's fine. Okay, cool. Uh, early bird prize with a draw date of March 24th is a $500 travel voucher courtesy of Carlson Volgany Rickert or two tickets to Lisa LeBlanc at the Artesian courtesy of the Regina Folk Festival. And the grand prize is a choose your own vacation. You can choose from one of the following really cool vacations. Halifax, uh, which is a city that I am from personally from. So you can go there and say, hey, do you know Aiden? And there's a small chance that they'll say, oh yeah, that guy. Uh, also Victoria, San Francisco, or, not Anne, or Portland, which is also pretty cool. And my friend Adam lives in Portland, so you can go there and say, do you know Adam? And they'll say, yeah. So these are only some of the things awaiting you there. Yeah. Second prize, $1,000 travel voucher from Carlson Volgany Rickert. Uh, travel, and the third prize, Regina Folk Festival 2017 Experience where you can experience winning two weekend passes to Regina Folk Festival 2017. Uh, tickets are 20 bucks each, only 1500 available. Draw date is May 4th. Uh, they can be purchased online at cdtr.ca slash donate. Or you can call the station, 525-7274. But frankly, if you're any kind of person at all, you'll buy them directly from the Queen City Improvement Bureau because we like it that way. Don't forget, you can be awarded a title, Moff, Grand Moff, Regional Director, Regional Sales Manager, or even Lord Darth Vader. You can. All you have to do to get one of those sweet, sweet titles and a ticket, contact us directly through our Twitter it's yep. probably the best way to yeah, get it. Yeah, Queen City IB. At Queen City at IB. Queen City IB. Yeah. And you just tweet at us or DM us through the Twitters, and we will get back to you right away. Don't we have an email address? Do we? I think we do. Yeah. But I've, I fail to recall what that is. Yeah, we also have a Facebook page, but I don't think I've looked at it in uh, since cool. since last fiscal year, frankly. <laughs> last fiscal year was 2010. Yeah. But yeah, if you, con- if you tweet at us that you want to get tickets to the uh, the, um, the Looking Listen Lottery, then we will set you up with tickets and we will furnish you with a title. It's a pretty right. sweet deal. But, you know, you have to... Uh, oh, they're, they're available for sale in Saskatchewan, uh, but they can be purchased in Saskatchewan by non-residents. Uh, and if you're under 18 years of age and you try to purchase tickets from us, get out of here, Junior. You can't. Yeah, you can't. Get your parents to do it. Yeah. Because kids can't travel. They can't. I guess. Not with other parents, anyways. Yeah, exactly. All right. Okay, well, that was a very productive meeting today. I, I agree. Um, We've got some more crazy music playing in the background. So um, I think it is now time for us to call for an adjournment. All right, well, I motion to adjourn. I second that motion. Okay. You have been... City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. This episode has been brought to you by Councillor Joan Fenduras, Parietal Plura. If you need an outer membrane attached to the inner surface of the thoracic cavity, go for a John Fenduras, Parietal Plura. Guaranteed. Music has been uh, supplied to us, as always, by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. Our guest today has been Hillary Aiken. I'm Aidan Morgan. Our co-host here is Paul Shen. You can find us on our website at uh, queencityib.com or find us on our Twitter account at queencityib on Facebook. Also, of course, you can find our episodes on cjtr.ca slash podcasts, or you can find us on iTunes. No matter where you go, there we are. Next up is uh, Nerdcore Cabaret with Maddie V, followed by The Cockpit. 
And until then, keep on improving your vagina.